Hey there, welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. My name is Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. I want to thank you for continuing to listen in. But before we jump into the interview and the podcast today, I want to share some exciting news with you in case you haven't heard. The book I have written, entitled A Caring Life, How Each of Us Can Change the Trajectory of an Uncaring World, will launch on September 26th and will be available on Amazon. The book is filled with stories of life and service in Africa and lessons I've learned about caring. And it gives us opportunities to examine our life as we care for others and how we can impact this world um, through caring. You'll want to pick it up on September 26th. Well, let's jump into the podcast. Back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us back on the podcast, Dick Brogdon, as we continue our series, Revisited. Revisited is a series that I just wanted to do um, by going back and listening to, learning from, um, interviewing again, some of the first 10 people that we interviewed for the podcast. And those were all those interviews were done pre-COVID, and, uh, or at least before it you know, really took over um, yeah, a lot of our thoughts and and, and minds. And uh, anyway, so we, we was able to sit down with Dick again and learn from him, just asking some questions about how he's leading differently, um, maybe some areas of his uh, ministry that he's focusing a little bit differently. Maybe there's some things that he's he's done and he continues to do and, and things that maintain and, and uh, yeah, continue to do the same way. But I just thought it was valuable to sit down and learn from him. And uh, we have about three or four more to go uh, the, in the future on these revisited. And um, I've just found them super valuable. Um, to hear how other people have adapted and changed. I know I have. I know the Aaron Santamire today is not the Aaron Santamire um, pre-COVID. And um, as ministry has changed, how I've adapted and how I've grown, and just to learn from others. And um, yeah, I think it help can help us as, as we grow. Do want to ask you to continue sending your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where we sit down with Dick Foth and uh, get to learn from him. And uh, one, one other request is continue to subscribe to the podcast. I know the podcasts I've subscribed to are the ones I listen to. That way they're, they're there for me on Monday morning, ready to go. And I know my playlist for the week. So, well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here again today with our friend uh, Dick Brogdon. Dick, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Aaron. Always a delight to be with you. Dick, I'm majority of the people know who you are, but we just take a minute or two just to uh, just give a brief introduction. Yeah, I'm an Assemblies of God missionary. I live in Saudi Arabia. I'm the co-founder of the Live Dead Movement and working now as the area director for the Arab world and very excited to be a part of this great family of God. Amen. Dick, the last time we got together was uh, before the pandemic really got to, well, we, we've had an interview in between there, but we talked about emotional and investing in the emotional and spiritual health of a team way back, ooh, I think it was February of 2020, before the COVID and a lot of the things, the unrest that took place in our world happened. And I um, just thought it'd be great to sit down with you again today and just hear um, what God's been doing in your life and maybe how you've changed over the last two years or, or if you've changed at all. I don't know. Maybe you're exactly the same in all my questions. Joseph say exact, exactly the same. But um, yeah, so what 
how have you changed or how are you different um, from when I first interviewed you before COVID? I'm slower. Okay. <laughs> In fact, considerably <laughs> slower. <laughs> and, you know, uh, for a guy that likes to run, that's been an adjustment, but it's been good. So I'm more patient. I'm quieter. I mm. am more at peace. Hmm. Yeah. And the peace and the quiet, is that something going through COVID that God's taught you through that process? Or is that you just think that is you're, you're two years older than you were um, before? It's certainly a combination, but the catalyst was everything slowing down mm. in COVID. And it forced me to relook at how I lived, how I led, how I interacted with Jesus. And unexpectedly mm. uh, found great delight in going slower. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. So, Dick, next question. What have you learned over the last two years um, that maybe you didn't know before? I've learned that the essentials are actually fewer than I thought they were, hmm. that simplicity is our friend, and that busyness and activity can often be the antithesis of fruitfulness. Hmm. I think I had kind of bought into that general primarily North American or maybe globalized at, at some level idea that I had to do more and had to constantly be at work. And what I found out was there's a path to fruitfulness that is not busy. And that hmm. was new for me. Hmm. So that would be one thing. And the second thing that, that really came out of the extended time in prayer and fasting, which I'll talk more about in a moment, that COVID made possible for me out of a very busy life with the enforced lockdowns and restricted travel. But it really came alive centered on Jesus. In fact, I'd like to share a quote from the book Radiant Glory, which is the biography of Martha Wing Robinson. And this is what she talked about in her experience in a slowdown period. She said, by that experience, my inner life and in communion with Jesus was completely changed, as well as my ministry. I had found him whom my soul loved and longed for. I lived continually in his presence and under the shadow of his wing. Christ had become very real to me. I had prayed that he would come to me and do the work himself, the work which I was not sufficient to do. And she said that when she prayed through to her death, she passed over into a change that she had never experienced before. And she says, in a moment, we were gone, and a greater one was there. Entire spirit, soul, and body were in a new and divine control. Hmm. I can't claim to have that same experience she has had, but the slowdown made Jesus somehow more preeminent, and I saw how much he could do when he had complete control, and that's been beautiful. Yeah, amen. Amen. Dick, um, so you talked about the busyness and uh, you know that you're a person that likes to go, me too, running fast. Um, how are you leading differently than you were before COVID kind of broke out? I am praying much more frequently. You know, that scripture verse, this kind cometh not out except by prayer and fasting. So mm -hmm. I'm fasting more and praying more. And I know that in some texts that clause and fasting is not included, but the principle is the same, which is there are some things that only God can do. Hmm. And I think pre-COVID, that part that I had kind of delegated to God for him to do was very small. Yeah. 
post COVID, that part's a lot bigger. Okay. <laughs> so if you, if you think of it on a continuum, before I thought, hey, I can handle 80%, the 20% I can't handle, I'll give to God. Yeah. That's kind of flipped. Kind of now I think I can handle 20%, but 80% of this has to be God. So that has affected how I have led people too, in the sense that I was probably guilty being one of those leaders of asking people to fill this form or take this training or attend this conference or read this book and all good things, but accumulating to our workers on the ground more and more busy stuff. Yeah. Now I'm like, what can I take away? Hmm. How simple can we make it? What are the essential things? And try and get away from my theorizing in my little ivory castle in my office. And remember, what is it like to be boots on the ground? And to give them, and it sounds maybe counterintuitive, as little as possible. <laughs> to believe that the, you know, the field guys know their context best. Yes, I do believe in making resources available, but I think a cardinal sin of leadership right now is we put too much on our people. We want them Mm. to do too much. And so I'm switching my mentality and saying, okay, if we really prioritize the boots on the ground, we need to take stuff off their plate. We need to have fewer requirements for them. We need to have greater trust in them and allow them to have the space to let God do more and to not be so busy. So that's probably been the big change in my leadership approach. And Dick, how has that impacted the, is, you know, our first interview is on emotional and spiritual health, serving people. Have you seen an impact on those you're serving and leading as you've made that shift? Has, are you beginning to see changes in their emotional and their, and their spiritual health in a time where, you know, that's one thing we've seen through COVID, anxiety, depression, and, and this the mental health has become a, a challenge for many. Um, have you seen any shifts have you, as you've changed your leadership through this? Have you seen any shifts on the people you serve? I have, because you still want to be the vision carrier. You still want to, you know, set the big dream and, yeah. and call people to that. But if you can, in a nuance, remove the pressure and the guilt that can, you know, cascade down from authority, people find more liberty to take that space and be who they are and let Jesus be who he is. Hmm. Now, we've done some practical things to do that. I, I grew up very poor. My parents were not assemblies. We lived very simply. And so my approach to our mission, which has a lot of finances, has always been very frugal. So I also suggested a change that was adopted more broadly, that we allowed people every month to have quite a large amount of work funds per family unit to use in life-giving activities. It was $250 a person. So family of four, you know, that's a thousand bucks a month on work funds that we said, go to a spa, take, go snorkeling, uh, go to a hotel for two nights. So I got a little more extravagant in my approvals of work funds for mental health Hmm. and just gave people permission from the corporate side to use the resources we had in preventive mental care rather than the big dollars and big times in curative. And so those combinations of just saying, Hey, we don't, we're not going to ask you for so much busy work and we're going to empower you to spend some work funds on preventative mental health. I think those two things combined really helped our people. 
Yeah. And is that, have you, and obviously the goal Dick is for us to make disciples. I mean, that's the focus. And um, somebody listening in will say, well, Dick, you're they're They're going on vacation all the time. They're, they're not doing what God's called them to do. What would you, what would be a response to that? Maybe that somebody pushing back on it. I would say, first of all, some people did abuse it. And, okay. you know, what we tend to do organizationally, <laughs> yeah, just frankly speaking, you know, uh, and, and typically it's the guys that were abusing right. it or not working hard anyway. Right. For sure. Know, so, but those are the outliers. And typically organizationally, we overreact to the, to everybody yes. who's kind of abuses yeah. stuff. So I decided, we decided clinically, we're not going to drive our decision by those who will not steward it well. Yeah. Most of our people, Aaron, are really hardworking and conscientious. For sure. And from a leadership perspective, you've got to trust your people. Yeah. And so when we trusted them, we found that they stewarded it well, and it made it more effective when they were on point. Yeah. And if I can just insert a testimony there, in the COVID time in Saudi Arabia, we've seen more Muslims get saved and baptized and join the church in these two years than we saw in the 28 years before that. Wow. And so it's not just theory for us. Hmm. You know, part of that is Saudis are consumers, and so they couldn't shop and couldn't eat, so they stayed home and consumed media, and then it led them to searching for Bible stuff and Jesus stuff. So media and Saudi characteristics inform that. But it was also combined with God was at work, and we just slowed down enough to see where he was working, joined in with him, and we saw more fruit. So yeah. even though our pace was slower, we saw more fruit. And that has been replicated out across our on-the-ground workers. Amen. Thanks for the testimony, Dick. Would you be able to share maybe just one of the biggest challenges you've encountered in the last two years in, this, in the time of the pandemic? I think the releasing of identity that you just referred to of well, you know, Dick's always been known as a hard worker and accomplishing this and output of this or that. Uh, and I have to release an identity that is work ethic centered, accomplishment oriented, and even front lines connected. Hmm. You know, and I didn't realize how much pride I had in I'm the guy that gets stuff done, I'm the guy in the front lines. And as my role has changed and as the world has changed, I had to release my primary identity from that. Yeah. Now, obviously, a, a good work ethic is a biblical value. We want to be people that work hard, still devoted to that. But I, I had to shift that my identity is, oh, he's the on-the-ground guy that works hard to, oh, he's the administrator that everything slows down. You know? <laughs> so, that, that's the pride issue there, right? And, yeah. and, and learning to navigate that. So those, the pride stuff, the internal insecurities, which we all carry, learning to be honest with those before both God and man, hmm. and, and not trying to project an image, but just say, okay, this is my new reality, and I'm not going to try and defend it. Because I found myself qualifying things, the changes, well, yeah, you know, I do this, but I'd give some kind of self-justifying qualifier, <laughs> you know, so... For me, the biggest challenges have been about pride, identity, insecurity, and just laying those things before the Lord. And, and Dick, is that's been something that God has progressively been working in your heart? With you talked about pride, that those things is that something that just has happened all at once, or is that something that God's continually working in your heart? Is maybe somebody that's listening in that has the same walking through the same process? 
Yeah, unfortunately, God's method of death is crucifixion, not cutting our heads off. And so it takes a a long time. I kind of wish he'd just do one big sovereign blow and deal with that that sucker. But no, in me, it is a long extended process. And Aaron, honestly, it comes from the hands of those who are near. You know, Hmm. we we, we kind of uh, accept painful growth interaction from strangers better than we do from intimates wow. but god's preferred method is he hands the hammer to those who are right next to you and so it is a long painful process and i'm not out of the woods yet <laughs> thanks for your transparency uh, dick so we talked about a challenging time um what are some areas that you've sh- maybe grown and been strengthened in in the last two years i think probably peace you know, it, hmm. it has derived out of prayer, fasting, and trust. But as the world has become more complex, and, you know, as you gain more leadership responsibilities, less and less of the fun stuff comes to your desk, and more and more of the problem stuff comes to your desk. So that that piece about here's a difficult situation, but to quote Jim Bradford, it's not my problem. When you have a position you know, you do have a sense of responsibility and that's appropriate, but you're not the savior of the world and you don't have the answer for every problem that comes your way. So the ability to be empathetic and to offer help where you can, but also to internally realize this is God's problem. It's not my problem. And to have that posture of, okay, Jesus, an expectant posture of what are you going to do? I, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I can't handle this. And besides that, you're, you're transitioning very quickly from one to the other. And you can't take the weight of that one situation into the next conversation or the next situation. You have to be, you know, all in in that moment with the caveat that it's God's problem. You're just his agent. And then leave it there without some kind of bifurcation or compartmentalization that is psychotic and move to the next situation <laughs> and be all there. But it's unique, you know, and you you can't accumulate the weight of all of those conversations as the day, weeks, months progress. You just have to find this place of peace that, okay, this is a but I will not let it be my consuming issue. The Lord has to carry this issue and the pain of the one that you love hmm. and then move on, whether it's to a joyful or a painful discussion that that follows it. And Dick, how does that play out spiritually? So you talked about, you know, emotionally and psychologically, we have to be able to separate and not carry over. Do you, is there a process that you, you said you're praying more. Is there a process that you go through and maybe ask God to renew you spiritually before you move to the next? And so you don't carry over, or do you see emotionally and psychologically and spiritually that's all interwoven and there's no way to separate it? I don't know, but that's just a question that came to mind. No, I do think you make a clinical decision based out of a constant state of abiding in Jesus. So to Mm me, it comes back to you have to start the day and end the day in the presence of the Lord. But because we so quickly forget at those junctures, whether it's in between emails or in between conversations or in between meetings, you don't have a lot of time. But that's where the, that breath prayer concept is like, Jesus, help me, you yeah. know, and and then learning to grow that muscle of I didn't just meet with Jesus in the morning and then before I went to bed, but at, my soul was reaching out to him all the time. So even in the moment, Aaron, you are you're doing that. And sometimes I'm listening to people 
And I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to answer. Jesus, help me. You know, and sometimes I'm praying in tongues under my breath because like, I, I think this conversation is going sideways. Lord, if you don't intervene, this is not good. You know, so it, it's not necessarily public. It's not necessarily elongated, but there's this constant appeal from your heart to the heart of the Lord saying, Jesus, help and intervene. I don't know where this is going. And does that kind of correlate with the, you said the 80, 20 back to the 20, 80, you know, I said in the past, it was 80% you and 20% God. Now it's, you know, 80% God and 20% you. And I guess yeah. that would be when you're praying and, and we're in that you're asking, Hey God, <laughs> I really need yeah. you in this situation for sure. For yeah, sure. exactly. And then it's like, God, this is your conversation because in the past you would kind of own it and try and steer it. Yeah. And again, that peace that I talked about, that yeah. slowing things down, that resting, like, all right. Okay, Jesus, you got to intervene because I, I can't I can't determine where this thing goes. <laughs> Good word. Dick, um, looking over the last two years, it's been turbulent times. We've seen some leaders lead really well through the last two years, and then some leaders, it's it's been challenging. And uh, yeah, what are some things you've seen leaders that you've looked at have led well and invested in the emotional and spiritual health of the people they serve? And then, and why do you think, or what are some reasons they've led well? If I would identify one, I think it's fearlessness. As I look at what has happened with COVID, politics, gender, race, what has transitioned in society is it used to, you know, the maxim was you can't please everyone. What it has become, you can't please anyone. And whatever you do, you're going to get attacked for. And so I see this, my heart goes out to pastors in America, for example, whatever they did was wrong. Mask, not mask, vaccinate, not vaccinate, meet, not meet, speak about Black Lives Matter, not speak about Black Lives Matter, have a stance on gay marriage, have whatever, whatever they did was wrong, right? So what I have appreciated about leaders in this very turbulent time are those who have led fearlessly and and yet kindly, you know, we've had hmm. some fearless people who have just been harsh and that hasn't helped us, but those who have been fearless and led out of that courageous place in a kind way, I think have been the most impactful for me hmm. because everyone's facing criticism and we do as leaders. Hmm. So that that's probably the biggest takeaway as I look at others. What's that combination of fearlessness and humility. Hmm. You know, we've all seen arrogant uh, opinion out there. That hasn't helped us. But a humble fearlessness that is biblically rooted and then just takes whatever criticism is levied at us, I think that has had impact on me, especially in light of Scripture, where the promises of Jesus are not that we're going to be liked or everybody's going to be pleased with us. You know, you will be hated by all for my sake. Now that we don't make that the goal, but it is the consequence of biblical fidelity. But doing that both courageously and and with humility, I think that leadership has been the most impacting as I've observed it. Yeah. And is that courage? Is that coming from more dependence on the, on the Holy spirit or where do you, that, yeah, that courageousness, that fearlessness, where do you see that in leaders? Where is that coming from? Where's the source of that? I do think it is the power of the Holy Spirit in combination with fidelity to the scriptures. Okay. Because it is so tempting right now to frame things in certain ways that aren't necessarily aligned to the unrelenting truth 
of the word of God. The hmm. word of God does not quibble. The word of hmm. God does not try, for example, to synthesize his sovereignty and man's free will and come up with a sum zero effect. It speaks very strongly in opposite directions. And the balance is not to be found, if you'll yeah. understand what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. And so what we have tried to do in order to make the scripture palatable is end up with the sum zero effect where we don't have God's sovereignty or man's will. I'm just taking that as an example. But you can yeah. play that out on anything, any mm. of the hot issues. And so the, the Holy Spirit therefore gives the wisdom and the timing, which is also critical, and the comportment. The, the tone and tenor of how truth is communicated. And when it is prophetic and when it is pastoral, only the Holy Spirit can give you the discernment on when, because you have to have both. And if you try and, you know, balance the prophetic and the pastoral, you end up with nothing, right? <laughs> and we have a lot of nothing out there that's being, you know, spread widely. That doesn't help us. Yeah. We need to have the, 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 the strengths of the complementary scriptural views, but only the Holy Spirit helps us calibrate those correctly and in the right time and the right tone. That's good. Good word. Dick, um, what's, what's God been laying on your heart as you look to the future? So that we've spent kind of the first part of the, the conversation talking about what you've learned in the past and a little bit about the presence. What's God speaking to you as you, as you look to the future? Well, you help me with your question there, because I'm going to try and illustrate the complementary aspects that seem different uh, in leadership in the future. So on the ground level, I've been reading Hannah Whitehall Smith's book, Classic, The Christian Secret to a Happy Life, which I really uh, suggest to, to anyone who's listening to this. And in that, she talks about consecration is very simple. It's absolute surrender and complete trust. So at the foundational level, that's where I've been thinking about and reflecting on how do I get to that place of absolute consecration. Marry that to what I said earlier about slowing things down, simplicity, which brings clarity, which brings uh, fruitfulness, and wanting to see unity within that. So with that as a base, where now it will seem like I'm making a leap, but they are complementary. What I've really been thinking about is the concept of apostolic nasty. Hmm. So that doesn't sound like it goes with <laughs> what I was saying about being kind and slow. And, you know. But apostolic nasty, here's my definition of it. Not something that is crude or disgusting. But think about Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, what made them different? Why Muhammad Ali, why did they win multiple championships? Because at the professional level, everyone's a fantastic athlete. Same coaches, same gyms, same diet regime, same right. you know, physiotherapist, whatever. Those guys had a little bit of nasty, right? They weren't just going to beat you in the world championship. They'll beat you in practice. They'd beat you at tiddlywinks. They'd beat you first in line on the bus, and they'd enjoy doing it. You know, <laughs> they, had this, they had this little attitude that made them great, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think in missions, we need a little bit of apostolic nasty where we simplify. And, and like if you look at Tom Brady, he eats avocado ice cream. He goes to bed at seven in, in the morning. You know, he, he just pushes all the extras out of his life. And he does the simple things over and over again to make him excellent. Yeah. So apostolic nasty. Here's my definition. A consecrated edginess, not a carnal edginess 
a consecrated edginess that fixates on Jesus <laughs> and his glory amongst all peoples. And this isn't balanced. Linking to what I said earlier, I don't think emotional health comes from balance in this sense. It is, we do one thing. We have one love. We fixate on Jesus hmm. in an imbalanced way and his glory amongst all the nations. And we're so devoted to that, that all these other things then feed into that. You simplify, you slow down, you pray a lot, you fast, you trust the Lord, you have peace in him, and you focus down on those things, and you push other stuff out of your life. You rigorously mm. evaluate and push other stuff out of your life, and you do those few simple things over and over again. And it's not, Aaron, it's not complicated. It's just hard. Hmm. What we do to make disciples amongst all the nations is not really complicated. It's just simple and hard. Yeah. And it's those daily things over and over again, that simplicity, that clarity, that trust, that prayer, that fasting, that dependency on the Holy Spirit, and, and that consecrated edginess, focusing, hmm. fixating on Jesus and his worth amongst all peoples. If I would kind of summarize this call, that's what COVID, I think, has done for me and for us, helping mm -hmm. us just, all right, what's the most important? Who's the most important? And yeah. what's the most important? And dial in on that in a very, very consecrated way. Yeah. Dick, you, you shared that it's it's not making disciples is not necessarily complicated, but you said it's hard. Somebody's listening in today and um, they're just they're struggling with the hardness of of their living consecrated life. They're, they're, they're focusing on Jesus, but the hardness is just something they keep bumping up against. Do you have a word of encouragement for them? I think there's always hope. <laughs> and I think we, we live in hope. Um, some of the literature and some of the seminars of today, I think have maybe in one sense, unintentionally been a disservice because it's almost this managerial. You do these 10 things, you'll have a breakthrough. You have a church planning movement, you'll see fruit, you'll see growth. And that's not necessarily reality. So the hope is this, that for those who are seeing disciples made and breakthrough, it's the old truth. Somebody did the hard work before you. Yeah. And for those that are in the midst of the hard work and are banging that head against that stone wall and not seeing their first disciple or their first Bible study or their first church, that somebody will always reap the results of your hard labor. So if you're seeing fruit, somebody did hard work. If you're doing hard work, somebody will see fruit. And I think that the verse that I latch on to, and I sometimes the enemy tried to snatch it away from me, Aaron, Revelation 7, 9, when it talks about every tribe, tongue, people, language around the throne, worshiping Jesus, the word that gives me hope is the word multitude. Because the text says there will be a multitude Hmm. And in most of our realities, especially those doing pioneer work, we're not seeing multitudes yet. Yeah. You know, we might see one and he's crazy, or we yeah. might see three and they're bickering, or we might see five and they're all emotional basket cases, you know, yeah. and they're jobless and yeah. lost their families and kind of weird in their own society. Sometimes at the beginning, you're just like, I'm not seeing multitude. I'm not even seeing mature. And I'd just like to have one solid guy. <laughs> well, when I, when I look at that, I'm, I would say to that the person you're referring to, your labor's not in vain. One day there will be a multitude from that people. And you may see it, but I want to be honest, you might not see it, but somebody will. The promise of scripture is it will happen. 
And it's not up to it's not up to you. You're not the only one at work here. There have been people before you. There'll be people after you. And so just run your leg well. And maybe you're that second leg of the four by 100, you know, and you're just kind of lost in the muddle of that. That's okay. Yeah. Don't drop the baton. Keep running. Yeah. You make a good handover. Yeah. And at the end, yeah. we all get the gold medal. Thank you, Dick. Last question for you. How have you seen the last two years um, impact church? And, you know, the majority of the people listening to this podcast are missionaries and, and missions. How have you seen it impact? And do you have, do you still have that same hope that you spoke to for the future for, because some missionaries are concerned, you know, what's this going to look like? How's this changed? Da, 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 da. Any thoughts on that? I think it has pruned. I think it has deconstructed in the positive sense. I don't mean theological deconstruction that's going on in, you know, in our society. And I think it's revealed what is real and what is not. So, for example, in Morocco, before COVID, we had 54 house churches. After COVID, we have 18. Now, you could look at that and say disaster. And there's been a multitude of factors. There was some difficult models that we don't want to continue. There was some leadership sin. There's a whole bunch of stuff that happened, you know, as, as well as the lockdown. But I think it was from the hand of the Lord to show what was real and what was not. And you can apply that corporately. You could also apply that personally. The impact has been the Lord's sovereign good hand removing some things from us that, that weren't real, mm. um, at least that weren't honoring him. Mm. And, and getting us down to, all right, because as missionaries, Aaron, we are complex. None of us are perfect. We all have altruistic motives. We all love Jesus. We all want to see his kingdom come. We want to see the church planted. But we all have a little bit of brokenness, too. Hmm. We all have a little bit of sin. And I think whether at the corporate or the personal level, that has been revealed and is being revealed. And I don't think the work is done. Hmm. Even though some of these restrictions on COVID are lifting, the Holy Spirit was before, during, and after and I don't think that work of pruning is done. I think he's he's getting us down to simple, lowly, hungry, seeking vessels that mm. he will fill. And he will fill with himself and he will fill with his Holy Spirit. So I do think as difficult as this season is and as crazy as our world has become, I do think and firmly believe that our greatest days as missionaries and a mission are ahead of us. If we will stay lowly, prayerful, and um, consecrated before yeah. Jesus. And I do think that in our home countries, there will be one more great awakening. And in our fields, there will be one great final harvest before Jesus comes. And it's all ahead of us. Hmm. So I think I have greater hope and excitement than I've ever had. And I look at this last season as a gift from a very merciful Jesus to prepare his people for the great harvest that he will bring in for his great name. Amen. Dick, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Um, will you pray for us? Um, whatever direction you'd like to, to pray as we end the podcast. Lord Jesus, we just want you to be preeminent and uh, to be with you is far, far better as Philippians one twenty seven says. And, we want to live in that reality, Jesus. We want to live consecrated, which is joyful, even though it's painful. It's simple, even though it's hard. We just want to live with Jesus at the center 
So I do pray for those that are listening on some key components. Would you give them peace? And would you give them hope that our best days are ahead of us? And as we simplify and slow down and center on Jesus, you will do more because you're more worthy than just one believer from our people group or seven from the tribe or one church in our city. You deserve more glory than that, and you shall win it for yourself. And we get to run along with you and join that dance, and we're thankful. So, Jesus, I pray for every listener, for peace and for hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.